0: Hey guys, it's Michelle. And Maria. Welcome back to Too Much To Say, episode two. Firstly, we'll be saying that. We are actually not releasing episodes every second Wednesday. We are going to be releasing it every Monday because we are impatient, ill, and we have too much to talk about. So, so Merry fucking Christmas. Merry Christmas, bitch. Even though I fucking um, hate Christmas. Anyway, i <sighs> put a disclaimer out for this episode. We will be talking about suicide, self-harm, and if anyone who is struggling um, Who's listening to this, just know that you're loved, and we will put out some contacts for you at the end, and you know what? It will be a sad and uncomfortable episode, but we got to start it off with a, not a bang, actually not a bang at all, but very much so a quiet little explosion. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> okay, so-, so look, Maria, um, we are Gen Z, and... A lot of you Gen Zers will understand that we are fucked up since day one, but that's there are many episodes to talk about that. But this Listen, episode, we as a generation have had a lot of struggle with self harm and suicide, mostly because it's been romanticized, romanticized, glorified, and put all over the internet for our little absolutely brains. absolutely plastered our little non-monitored internet babies yeah um that we are both victims of and yeah. i'm sure a for lot of people for me you guys personally are for me personally it started in year 8 because Oh, year Michelle, eight. our friend group in year eight, we were all ill, but we didn't know it. And we all mirrored each other. Absolutely. We were all very intelligent and we all attracted each other. We were all very yep. smart and creative and a little bit fucked up. And I know as a fact that all of us definitely yeah, had some absolutely. sort of mon- unmonitored internet access and we were all in like little internet holes as yeah. kids. And you know what? Mentally ill people attract mentally ill exactly. people. And, like, and it's just unfortunate that we were in a part of our lives where the internet was quite Growing rapidly and it was all over the internet. I remember being nine years old and watching a video about self-harm and suicide. Bro, I had fucking firstly, another episode is going to talk about this more, had a fucking porn addiction that I started at age five. Age five, excuse me. Yeah. And like, I saw a lot of fucked up shit on the internet at a very young age. Yeah, that's why Um, Any, if there's any parents on here, please monitor what your children are watching because it does affect them more than you think it will. And like, it's funny to me because our friend group in year eight, like we all kind of had a falling out, like that yeah. little group. Everyone that who, big group, actually, everyone who was friends at that age in that group, it all fell apart. Everyone yeah. had a fight, and it's because we mirrored each other and we mirrored each other's insecurities. Another and, sign of mental illness that we will also exactly. talk about. Exactly, and it's funny as fuck because now as we are like what 17 almost like going on to 18 a lot of these people are already 18 um a lot of them are actually like yeah diagnosed. we all have diagnoses are, now and yeah. a lot of us have matching ones actually and it's yeah. fucking funny because now you think back you're like oh that's why that's exactly why. so you know what yeah we everything we did in year eight was a cry for help and we're gonna get a lot into that so yeah year eight michelle we um Okay. I just remember we self harmed a lot back then. Yeah, absolutely. That's where and it began for the me. The thing is, okay, when you're when you have mental illness brain and you are, um, in like self harm brain mode, and it's so like you know you're so desensitized to it because it's fucking all around you, right? It actually, like, people didn't talk about this at the time, but now a lot of people have acknowledged it online, especially. It's a very competitive. Th- there's like a, com- like a competitive side of this oh it was absolutely competitive yeah. that was what made it so, so much worse than and it had like, to be I definitely acknowledge that I had that competitive mental illness self-harm brain as a 13 year old but it still follows me to this day yeah and it's absolutely not, it's it, not just self-harming it stemmed, that- it stemmed from me being competitive with my self-harm and now it's like I'm competitive in every aspect of my life. I still catch myself with the competitive self-harm thoughts. Oh, for absolutely, example, and mental for, illness especially. Absolutely, because it's like, oh, like I'm not as I'm not as bad. Like, oh, I want to go. I want. I miss being that bad because I'm, people I'm gonna me go me fucking more. crazy because I'll get more attention. Exactly, because people cared about me more. People. I used to openly just fucking tell people, like, look, like, no one cares until you're dead, which is so morbid. But, but it's absolutely true. It's such a thought so that you have true. as a, like, not even just a Gen Z youth, just yeah. like, fucking any, I anyone, remember, um... Trigger warning, this is gonna be really gory. But I remember we would go into the bathrooms and show each other each other's it self-harm. Yeah, and it wouldn't even just be in the bathrooms, but it would be in the corners yeah, like I by would, the bike. Racks, I would pull up my pull up sleeves, our little, our little fucking like school uniform jacket sleeves, and be like, look like how far up it goes. I remember very detailed, like I remember I'm not gonna mention names obviously, because we were all fucking crazy. I'm not I'm not gonna call anyone out on this fucking topic, obviously, but like I just remember just so specific like Specific memories of certain people, and in, and including myself, just like showing each other, and it was just like so. I remember like feel the feeling of being like oh like, oh I wish like I could do it like like I wish my pain tolerance wasn't like this because like I wish I could do it like her you no, know because I like, um that's I I'm, I'm not like gonna call out I'm kid. not gonna call out this person, but um in year eight I think it was mid year eight i remember i had pulled up my sleeve and oh my god i'm so sorry i just hit the mic because i was doing like a visual representation to myself but anyways i pulled up my sleeve and this girl asked me wow how did you get yours to look so deep and red like it was fully competition mindset i feel so queasy it makes me feel so sick because ew and the worst part was that is that i felt like i wasn't enough if my self-harm scars didn't were like fuck like less gory than others like i it's disgusting and it's awful and people still go through that today like young girls and boys are thinking like i'm not good enough because this person my cuts aren't deeper yeah i remember so many people number one telling me okay so i've got two things to say firstly i remember people saying you know like the classic little phrase of like oh like sideways for attention like downwards for like it's like, fucking I remember the results, when you know? I also remember I did cut like upwards once and someone told me, um, "Oh no, don't do it that way. You're you're gonna like end up killing yourself that way." Like it wasn't even about the fact that we wanted to like kill ourselves. It was fully just like I felt like at that point it was an aesthetic. It was a lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. And like, it's like, I was on up. 2014 Tumblr and like bro, it was. It's always um, like Gen Z, like the 21st century, like that like little era it was so toxic but anywho I remember my second point um I remember being 14 and like I was this, like summertime or something and my scars were pretty bad at that point and someone one of my close friends said to me like and she had a higher pain tolerance than me yeah she was like oh my god like yours look like mine now
1: no, and i felt so, so much
0: relief i was that's like that's so sickening i felt so happy i was like yeah babe yeah like, i remember good. i would i remember i would literally come to school and be proud to show people oh how deep God. i could go and it started off as a thing to make myself feel better and then it just stemmed into me actually self-harming because i felt like i wasn't worth yeah like i felt like i didn't belong on this planet and I, I then, just, yeah and then eventually like after we stopped becoming friends uh, I remember it was still continuing for me to be honest at some time, and it was like st- like people yeah. were still doing it, but like more under like closed doors this time because we yeah. like grew up a bit old. We, grew we got a bit, we got a bit more we- ashamed of it, exactly. Yeah. and we left that group where it was like so normalised. But even in it that was group- so sort of glorified to our group, but even to, uh, but to other people, it must have seemed so fucking. You know sick what? Of us. Also, I just remembered now. Oh my fucking god! I keep injuring myself. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> um, comic really. Sorry, guys. My clumsy little elbows. I accidentally. stopped <laughs> stop on record. Um, comic, okay, relief. comic relief again. Yeah. Um, what was I fucking saying? Oh yeah. Like I remember actually just now that group of ours, right? It was a really big group because in middle school we all we all just had really big groups, right? The women were the ones mostly affected by this self harm. Yeah, craze. absolutely. The men, I remember actually being very concerned. Oh yeah, absolutely. They all knew it was a cry for help, but. No one in that time thought, like, hey, They're, this person needs you know, help. Actually, they honestly told me to get help. But I was so fucking stubborn. Like, I'm 13. Yeah, I don't want to think about that, at that point. I was like, I'm fine. This is just life. Like, I would know. Yeah, like, uh, anyways. I would have never known... Like, unless someone actually told me, like, hey, you need to get help, that I needed to get help. Because in my brain, everything just seems so normal because you can't perceive anything from anyone else's perspective. You don't want to. You don't, you're don't want to. So you're stuck and sick. And it's... Because you're just like, fuck it all. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, look at this, guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Year nine, we were, like, not friends at this point. But both of our self-harm continued. And I'm pretty sure it got a lot worse. It did definitely get a lot worse. Yeah. And I remember... My just like my BPD and like everything else actually just got a lot worse in year nine. Yeah, and year then, nine was definitely one of oh, my it was worst. The, years. It was my downfall, and it was like a lot of people's downfalls that I've yeah. spoken to. They say year nine was like, year nine, like a, year nine was literally like, hell. I don't understand what fucking yeah, dude. The age of 14 is just like what universal, is in the air it's of 2019? Tom fuckery, to be honest. Yeah, anyways, so yeah, like I, year nine, I remember going through self-harm just like a lot of different ways it wasn't just like tr- the cutting that like, everyone was so used to like that was like like self-harm manifests itself in a lot of ways like self-sabotage reckless sex like drug abuse alcohol abuse like even things that i've been doing since i was a kid like ripping out my eyelashes my hair picking at my skin like until there's no fucking absolutely skin and left. people like, don't people don't perceive this as self-harm they yeah. perceive it as just normal human things but it's because when not, you think babe. of self-harm, self-harm you think of cutting cutting burning but it can stem in a lot of different ways and even it's, yeah like hitting my head I used to do very much and I still do sometimes but I don't do as much because my yeah. therapist in 2021 told me that it's actually a lot worse than a lot of other things because it actually like fucks with your brain yeah because yeah like, I for me in year Thanks, nine Catherine. I did so year nine was very difficult for me. Um, that's where I think my depression got it at its worst for quite a while. I think it got really bad again in year ten and eleven. Not year ten, maybe year eleven, but year nine was definitely one of my lowest years. And I remember like the smallest insignificance would happen to me and I would just go into my bathroom and just like I stopped cutting on my arms because my mum was noticing it and she told me that if I didn't stop, she would send me to see a psychiatrist and I was terrified of getting help because I was so stubborn. So I started cutting up on my thighs, just anything you could think of. But it was just – it was sort of like relief for me. Like if something were to go wrong in my life, oh, that would be my that relief. That was my escapism, bro, because I yeah. didn't have any other fucking coping skills other than the copious amounts of drugs that I'd take. As a- what isn't talked about a lot is when you do – the aftermath of it, like, getting in the shower and you can feel it and, like, it attaching itself to, to your, your clothes. clothes bark, no I one talks about so that. Sick. And I'm honestly very grateful that I haven't relapsed in a while, but like, my it's last, still... If I'm being completely real, my last relapse was, I think... <sighs> I don't remember exactly how long ago but it was at oh, the start it was remember. it was um mid 2022 was my last relapse and I haven't since yeah, I do still if I'm being, if same. I'm being completely real I do still get the urges and oh, I'm, babe, I don't yeah, think it's, it's ever going to stop yeah. but it's something that I've learned to control in other ways but I do still self-harm in the sense of like self-sabotage rec- self-sabotage Getting myself fucked up, reckless sex, like all of this shit that people don't perceive as self harm, but it is. It's just like I've stopped, like the physical aspect of it almost. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I still fucking suffer with it, and I, I know I'm still young, and it will definitely and you know out what? Eventually, but uh, another completely. like part of it is how how much like the older generations make you feel so ashamed of it. Like I remember my mum, bless her soul, she's an amazing woman, but. She, like, when she she was embarrassed about it, she would like buy me scar cream. Yeah, my mom would literally, she would be like, Oh, like keloid cream. Like, she would be like, like Oh, remember oh, like, to you cover go... your arms yeah. when you go out. Because my mom's like, she when didn't you know go... how to deal with it. No shit. And I know, like, that's my mom also, like, poor thing, because she also suffered with a lot of yeah. trauma from her family. Like, one of her older brothers who was very badly mentally ill, also, bless his soul. Um, yeah. Who, and my he, he is actually 12, dead yeah. now. But, anywho, King, um my mom has a lot of trauma from him. So when she when she found out that I was self harming, um, again, like of course I don't really give a fuck about how my mom felt, but I just remember like her running into my room because I, well I like kind of like came out to my parents about like, oh guys, like I'm actually like really not well, and then they didn't really like take it in, um and then I was like, guys, like they sent me to my room, I was like, they were all hunky-dory, I was like, oh shit, like, you guys don't get it. So I sent mummy a cheeky little snap of, like, my limbs, she comes into my fucking room, she's like, sobbing, she's like, fuck, like, I didn't, um, like, I didn't know it was this bad, like, it was just so heartbreaking to, like, relive in my head right now. I think a part of it is that they see a lot of us in themselves. Yeah. Like, my mum as well, she had gone through so much trauma, I've learned about all of it, and she opened up to me a lot this year, which I'm really grateful for. But my mom has been through fucking hell and back, and she's been on antidepressants. She's gone through it all. Um, she was really stubborn, stubborn with mental health a few years back, but I've kind of talked to her eased about her it. In. And they, same yeah, with my fucking parents. They her in. There yeah. used to be like, oh, like she used my to not kid, believe it. Like, oh, like, oh, like you know, like all this shit that parents yeah. say. And so I feel like and now when, they're just like when my mom first like initially found out about myself harming, she saw it as like. She she perceived it as, like, shameful. She would be like, make sure to cover your arms when we go out. Like, what will people think? Buying me scar cream, telling me ways to heal it quicker. Yeah, literally. And now if I – I, f- I think quicker. now if I self-har- self-harmed and went to her and just, like, she would definitely more see it as a cry for help and support me and oh be like, God. you're okay, like, we'll get you the help you need. My mum – yeah, it's like a lot of the – a lot of it, my – I feel like my mum was also very, like – Like, growing up, my parents have always been like, my daughter is beautiful and she cannot have a scar on her because that will ruin her chance of getting like a career in the performing arts field or like you know because she's so beautiful like we can't let her have scars so always like up like growing up like it was just so difficult for me to like experience the outside world because of this thing like placed upon me so when they fucking saw like my scars that I had put upon myself they were kind of like like what the fuck they didn't know what to do obviously because they're kind of like and Obviously, you know, the thoughts of, like, oh, like, I'm a bad mum. Like, if my – if people see my kid, like, look like this, like, they're going to think, like, I did something wrong. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, I know Because the stamina around self-harm is just, the like – The stigma. The stigma. I'm so – stamina. <laughs> the stigma. The gym's just on the, on the my gym, mind, The gym's on my mind. I'm so sorry. The stigma <laughs> around self-harm is, like, I remember, I think it was last year, I went to a KFC with one of my friends – um, we don't really talk as much anymore, but she, she's a great person. But I remember we were at this KFC and we were taking an order from this girl. She looked around 16, 17, um, and there was an old woman behind us in the line. And I just remember we stepped aside while we were waiting for our order. And this woman continues to step aside after while she's waiting for her order. And I just hear her, like, whisper to her little, like, friend, like wow who would let themselves go out like that that's disgusting she's crazy there's self-harm is like i don't understand why people just think anyone who self-harms is a fucking like psycho apparently or like just like disgusting a disgusting human the scum of the earth like no we just want help like please like a lot of people think that it's not something that people bring up but it is i remember being 14 just wearing you know like sleeveless clothes and like this girl at the bus stop, not mentioning names but fuck you bro she was like oh like what's that on there like oh my you shouldn't be doing that she was just being a fucking bitch and like there are so many instances where that's similar occurrence yeah absolutely i still have i still have Um, scars on my upper arm um on both sides because this was at my worst point and they just haven't healed like they've healed mostly but in certain like a scar in a certain scar. lighting you can see it and i remember like um lol anyways i was at a, like i was at a party i was talking to this guy and i had like a crop top on and he like looks at my arm and he's like oh what's this like are you depressed i'm like oh, please don't bring that up please. the amount of times i've had someone kiss the scars on me because it's like Romanticized in that sense of like, oh, like I'll kiss the scars on your skin. Can you not do Can that? Can you not? Please. <laughs> Can we actually talk about the romanticism of self harm as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because fucking hell, like it is so romanticized to the point that guilty like i've definitely are, romanticized it people before, like, but like young but not when you're young kids age, are looking like it's all over social media whether we like it or not and it's not going to go away because people do talk about it a lot but they talk about it in a way whether it be intentionally or unintentionally it's romanticized and a lot of these kids are looking on there and being like Wow, she's so edgy, and it sucks because like, that's what I was like when yeah. I was a kid. So I remember it's just being like a vicious fucking cycle at this point. I remember being nine years old. Do you remember this video about? Um, I know. this. There was this um video based on like the LGBTQ community. And but it was like the the roles were flipped. Yes, I do yes. remember that video very well. I very well. watched that at a very young age, Real and I cinema. I remember like in the end she self harmed. But yeah, I, I know this. they didn't mean to romanticize it. But every single short film on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram, every single short film that is made about it, they it's produced the wrong way because. <gasps> Oh my god! I've actually got a, an example from our school. I'm not going to be mentioning names, but I watched this video that this guy produced yep. for a media thing at school, and it was a music video um, to creep by Radiohead. Um, and look, yes, it was a, it was a it was a good production. There was a scene of pretty pretty graphic um, fake self harm, and when I say I feel. I felt fucking sick. I felt fucking sick. And I watched that with a few people, actually, and we all felt like that. So I hope you don't make another video like that. <laughs> no shame. Um, um, yeah, it's... Anyways. A, because unwanted, um internet access is growing rapidly. Like, back in the day, a lot of people probably would have monitored when their kids got on social media, what they were watching, but I didn't because my... F- fam I grew up in a family that didn't know much about technology yeah and like they us didn't us know as I kids had- we were the best at technology yeah our exactly shit, so. and and <laughs> I remember like I would be like in the same room as my grandma when we were on vacation in Serbia and I would be watching videos about depression and self-harm under the covers oh my like, god with my grandma right next to me, to me and she never knew <laughs> <it> was <porn. laughs> I was sorry about that too, but we'll keep that for another episode. Oh, I actually also used to watch that under the covers, yeah. Yeah, never mind. and I do remember when my brother was about the age of... This makes me actually feel sick because he's my brother and I cherish him more than anything else in this world. I'm literally going to start crying. But um, I remember when he was about six or seven, I was... We had, like, a shared iPad and... I was upstairs in my room and I went to his room to go ask him if he wanted me to make anything for lunch for him because my parents were both working at this time so we just stayed in the house alone and I came across him watching like one of the same videos about self-harm that I had watched at a young age and it made me feel so sick because I know how it impacted me and my brother has grown up with a lot of trauma just as I have because fuck the world's fucked up my family's fucked up I can't do much about it but I'm just thinking, like, I don't want him to grow up in a generation where it's glorified, romanticized. I just, I don't want to wish that on any kid, any adolescent, any human, really, because it's such a. Ugh, fuck. It's such a hard topic to talk about because there's so much to go into, but. Yeah, there's but, really not enough words to, like, describe yeah. the. Actual you can't describe, power of yeah, you can't describe illness, the power you know? of it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what were we talking about? I fucking... The romanticism of it. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's so... It's literally everywhere. And as yeah. people who suffer from it, it's definitely already, like,
1: It's ingrained very triggering in you as well. It's very because triggering. Because you
0: unintentionally romanticize because, it yourself. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, when I'm, like... So watching, it doesn't help when I've it. When I'm watching TikTok... Another reason why I'm considering deleting TikTok, but I don't want to, because I'm literally TikTok famous, but whatever. Um, Another <laughs> aspect of it is I'd be scrolling through and I'd see a girl talking about, like bpd depression like anxiety all this stuff and like just like it'll make it'll sort of trigger me back into a depressive episode because right, absolutely. I, the thing with my mind is like i can be happy but i'm uncomfortable in my own happiness because i've all i've ever known known was being sad and wanting to self-harm and not wanting to be yeah. here and i grew up so comfortable in it because that's all i ever knew in exactly. my adolescence and you just want to sit in your misery because that's all you know how to do it. exactly what? it's yeah every day blends into one and you're so comfortable in that one and you don't want to multiply we're literally two weeks into january we're two weeks into january and i've already triggered myself back into a depressive episode i think a week ago because i was so happy i was hitting the gym i was focusing on my studies going out and i was sitting in my room one day and i was like wait i'm happy and i felt so uncomfortable with it because i that just was remember me the other day it was really weird I yeah like michelle came over and she couldn't even get me out of bed like it it was horrible like i genuinely just sat in my bed and cried for a good I day i can vouch this did happen this did happen guys <laughs> but um yeah the the fucking romanticism of it like and not even just like the effect on kids but the effect on people who already have experienced it like it can trigger you back into that perspective I'm and gonna it's... talk about in another episode uh, like the concept of parents with mentally ill kids yeah because that's a really that's oh we have a lot to say it, yeah. about that yeah um and also gonna briefly touch on like social media in this episode and how like connected it is with everything I'm gonna talk about technology in another episode um but like mm-hmm. fuck, social media just you know like as humans it's just too much content for our brains to comprehend And when you're on this algorithm of all these sick people and you're sick and everything that you're taking taking in in. is just pure illness, it's just, like, a little bit fucking hard to break out of it, especially if you're glued to your screen, like, most hours of your waking day, you know? And it's just, like, shit. I remember being, like, social media would be, it still is a lot of it. Sorry. Yeah. Social media used to be a very big outlet for me. Like even more so than it is now. And that says a lot because I'm literally chronically online. But social media, when I was at the worst, worst, worst um low of my like self-harm. Like it was so bad because I would put my self-harm out there. I'm so sorry that I used to do that, but I did because I, you know, was very ill and young and naive and everything, and I didn't think. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys a fact. Humans are scientifically not developed enough to take in and understand social media. Your brain literally does not understand what is going on when you're taking in so much content in one day. When you think about it, right, algorithms are designed for the person who is watching it. Uh, so if you are really if you are really in a depressed state, self harming, that's all you're going to be seeing. You're going to be seeing hours and hours of that on a daily basis. If you think it's not having an effect on you, it absolutely is, and that's what triggers a lot of people. because yeah, it like roots itself. Uh-huh, roots, sorry, it roots, <laughs> it roots, it roots itself. It, like, fucking, like, burrows and nests itself yeah. into your subconscious. And you obviously, yeah. like, aren't realising it when and you're doom scrolling, But it is there. And you think Yeah, about absolutely. It, even more so than you, you know, do. Do you know how many, like, in my... Yeah, again, in my worst state, when I was self-harming really badly, when I was suicidal on a daily basis, all I would be watching, all I would be seeing on my Instagram, my TikTok, everything would be self-harm, suicide, depression. Like, and... It would literally dig so deep into my mind that I would be having dreams about it and sleep paralysis every night. There was a time of my life where I was having sleep paralysis. And in this paralysis, it would be a figure literally like putting scars on my body because I was it dug itself so deep into my subconscious that it was literally running through my brain 24 seven. Like that's fucked up. Like, I'm sorry, but social media, something needs to change about that. And I know people advocate it so much, like documentaries, short films on social media, how it's taking over, but no one's actually doing anything about it. And we're all... Because we're all addicted, and it's all we know because our generation has grown up with social media. Yeah, and even if it's not social media, it's internet forums. It's fucking hours on end watching fucking videos on YouTube, and suddenly you're on the other end of YouTube, and it's like, what the fuck, where am I? You have always been... Like in encased in like a gl- a blob of mucus of social media and the internet as you know, generation Z. it does. we are addicted. We are. We are being controlled by social media every day of our lives. You know what? And I think I'm going to make myself another goal for 2023, which is be online less. Yeah, lower your screen time. I'm trying so Read. Hard. Go for a walk. Fucking, I'll walk my dog a few times a day. Like, what? I'm, yes, no? it might be easy to say, but yeah. hard to do. And that is true. It's easy to say and hard to do. And it's so because we we're do it addicted. Together. Do we go all, all do addicted together to social media. One day at a time. If you catch yourself doom scrolling. Just watch a few more videos and then turn your phone off. You know what? Have a buddy. Have someone you want to do this with. For me, it'll be Michelle. Michelle, we're making a pact right now. We're going to be on social media less. If I catch you chronically posting on your Snapchat story, I'm going to call you out and be like, "Hey, hey. stop this." Ooh, and you have to do that the same for me. That was a call out. Just kidding. <laughs> I've had, I know. I'm calling you out, but that's that's what I'm here for, my queen. That's what I'm here for. Okay. Well, that wasn't. That was a, That was funny. That, that was fun- a lot about self so enough. Calm. That was a brief touch on social media but it was it lot. was actually a lot but a that's what happens when you long touch that's it literally was- what happens when you give two mentally ill teenagers a microphone that that I don't know what else you guys real. expected but yeah okay, um, well. we're gonna go a little bit a little bit deeper now and we're gonna talk about our experiences with suicidal thoughts suicide attempts um, because I know for both of us, we've had a lot of experience with it, and it needs to be talked about. Okay, firstly, let me just say that I just have way too many instances, like, you know, like, I've had many events of suicidal thoughts that I can't even, yeah. obviously, compress that into one tiny yeah. episode, but the thing is, it that's what, it, what I'm saying, it's extremely yeah. frequent, and... Every other day, honestly. So, I'm just gonna be giving you a few few little story times of like recent, recent little experiences, okay? Um, hmm. Go for it, I'm gonna sit here and listen. 2022, actually, yeah. Um, 2022 was actually August, had my attempt, my last, my most recent one. Um, It was actually triggered by me and Maria's grad party. Can Um, I just say that that scared me so much? I genuinely was on the verge of tears when I found out because you, me and you were really close at that point. I was like, I don't want to lose another person, and I will be oh talking God. about someone who I lost later in this episode. I did get permission from um, his friends, so yeah. Let Anyways, me, let me just say just because you said that, okay, because you said that, okay, so it's taken me a while to firstly kind of like comprehend what happened that night and like actually figure out why i did what i did etc cetera, etc cetera. but you say that you like were very very upset about that that is something something that kind of helps me today not fall into my yeah. uh, like a- attempt something you know yeah because i just okay so what happens these days is i will literally play in my head like chloe and maria and just all my best friends and una and everyone just like it plays in my head them c- like real life times in the past where they have cried being like why the fuck did you do that like I I would literally be so damaged like I can like, yeah. just hear all my friends and Orna right, being like I would be catatonic kind of and I would through. break up with like Una telling me like she'd break up with her boyfriend because she'd just be self sabotaging if I fucking died yeah. and like Maria like i just like picture my friends just not being able my mother like it just like makes me feel sick so that helps me these days that helps me these days not actually attempt but anyways it was august something um we just like we got a lot of backlash for the ban list um and i think that was one of the things that triggered me very much so and yes, it's a very small thing, yes, in the span of it all, but I have BPD, so it was absolutely massive for me. I was at the train station, actually, coming back home, and I collapsed on the floor, because I was just so distraught, and I just wanted to die so bad. Went home, um, took an overdose of pills, um, didn't tell anyone for a while, and then I was like, mom, like, I need to call the ambulance. So She wasn't home, but I ended up calling the ambulance. They didn't fucking come for a long, long time, and I was already overdosing at this point. Um, they actually sent police officers first, and they were fucking r- so douchey. Like they were nice, but they were just like, oh yeah, like the like the Bali trip with the boys. Like yeah. they were just being so like I don't know. And I was just like they're overdosing, and like I guess like yeah, I didn't tell anyone, but like can't you see? Like, yeah, Can't absolutely. you see me? Like fuck, you yeah. see me? Like I no one notices until it's too late, and that's just yeah and anyway so the the cops were there but they were like oh like we were just told like you had something sharp like blah 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 like so we're just gonna sit with you until the ambulance comes ambulance comes paramedics are there i get taken into the ambulance alone whatever they were like should we check her no we shouldn't yes you should have i had a fucking blade on me actually fuck anyways that's not the first time um, in, in like May 2021 I went to hospital again because I ran off from Chloe my mum and my dad because of a very bad night and episode and it was a very bad, very bad time for me I like ran away with like and like tried to KMS with um, sharp things ended up going to hospital in the morning like before sunrise um, they were like should we check her nah no, it's fine you should have checked me I had another fucking blade on me okay like these little things Anyway, so the the attempt last year um, they treated they started, ended up treating me okay so they kept fucking up my blood work and they, just, they were just being also unprofessional um, they kept fucking up my bloods and then eventually they treated me for the wrong overdose they treated me for a paracetamol overdose which fucking I wasn't hell. on and then the, late last year I was told that, that there's not even a fucking drip for paracetamol it's just kind of like I don't know what Jack Tease told me, but he, apparently, it. anyway, so fuck. Can I just say as well that yeah. I was sitting in class the day you were in hospital, and I remember, like, couldn't really focus on anything else, because I was like, fuck, so much was running through my mind, because you get it, like, fucking little things, big things, it just takes over, all of it takes over, anyways. I not blame you, bro. And I remember that, I was. I remember, like, someone was like, are you okay, and I was like, no because Michelle's not okay and I remember people found out you, in hosp- you were in hospital and it was only at that point did people realise like holy shit like I know it's always when it's too late and that's what fucks me up the most because if people notice a little bit sooner so many lives can be saved I know and it's just so bugged out there has been there have been so many times where it's been so close and I'm grateful that you know, I know babe. but I know. it's so fucked because like all you want is for people to see you and save you Every but, single one of my suicide attempts has not been me wanting to actually die. It's yeah, she's been people be it's been me wanting people to notice and be like, "Hey, she needs support." And it's every, my first um real suicide attempt I actually got backlash for it um from these people um not going to mention who, but I just remember that they didn't take it seriously. My second one no one actually knew. And it was just me and my parents. And I remember my dad saying, like, attention. Like, mm. yeah, attention. But, yeah, no shit. It, but- it, it was... The t- attention was needed because I'm literally on the fucking verge of death here. And I want to tell you guys something that I did recently open up to people about. But that's something that I kept hidden for a very long time. And I did tell my mum the other night. And she did cry. And I cried. And it was really emotional. But um, when I was 14, I was really suicidal so like year nine um 14 going on 15 and i wrote this so sui- i wrote a bunch of suicide letters dedicated to different people in my life um i had some that i was going to give to people to give to this person and i had some for my mom and for my brother and for my best friends whatever um and the title of the letter was always just in case because at that point, I was like, I'm not going to make it to 18. There's, I, I was like, There's, I'm not going to be able to make it to 18. I can't. Like, it's hard living one day. And um, I always had this letter, like, in my drawer. And I would just, like, read it over and over. And in this letter would be everything that had gone wrong in my life so far, um, obviously, every, like all the abuse I experienced at a young age, all the traumatising things I saw, the hallucinations I would have as a kid that actually really fucked me up because I never knew if they were real or fake. Um, and I kept that letter from 14 to 16 years old. So I kept it until the end of year 11, which oh. is really fucked up because, not end of year 11, like midway through year 11, I kept it that long because I just... I. I never knew what would happen to me. I was never sure. I never had a will to push forward and, you know, try for better. I was always just, like, living because I had to. Yeah, you were just existing. I, exactly, I was existing. I wasn't living. And a lot of people say, like, for me thinking about how people would be affected never really worked if I died because you don't ugh, care. I didn't, you don't I didn't, give a fuck first of all, I didn't else. care. And second of all, I didn't think people cared about me. Exactly. So I was like, no one's going to be affected. They might be sad for a day or two, use my death for attention and then just forget about me. <laughs> but what I realized recently was my um, passion to help other people. I want to be a clinical psychologist in case anyone doesn't know that. My passion to help other people is really what keeps me here today because there is so Honestly. many there are so many people who need help and they don't get it and if i'm going to take a little step forward to help make mental health m- more of a notice thing then fuck it I'll stay alive even if I don't want to that's the thing like also another thing that that's also another thing that's kept me going like I just have such a desire to help and like give my knowledge and like wisdom to others so you know like I I've had many like oh I want to be a holistic like healer I want to be a therapist like all this shit it's all come from a place of like me wanting to help at this point, I want to be an English teacher for teenagers, yeah. which I feel like English teachers are very influential. So they I are, really, absolutely. I really want to just, like, you know, touch people through art and my wisdom and, like, my words in that yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. And especially the young people of the world. I... Because um, um, I didn't have that. I grew up also with a lot of, like, self-harm in my family. Um, and it was all very, like unspoken about like it wasn't spoken about because yeah same it was too. shameful but I know that a lot of my family members or I call them out have had problems with it and it makes me feel really sad because that might happen to my brother one day and I look at him and I'm like holy shit I don't want this kid to go through what I went through because I would if I could pass all of his pain onto me I absolutely would do that because he is such a golden child, like, he has nothing but love in him, like, he is, he has nothing bad to say about anyone, he is honestly just, like, a blessing to this world, none of us deserve him, and if he comes home one day and is, like, Maria, I just self-harmed, I literally don't know what the fuck I would do, like, I would, fuck, this is such a hard topic to talk about, and I'm literally crying because there's so many people in my life who I care about who have, one who has lost their life to suicide, which I'm going to talk about very soon. Um, and a lot of people who have almost, who I've almost lost from it. And it's fucking awful because that's a life that had so much potential. You know what I mean? It's different when it's like a car crash or an injury because it's like, well, we couldn't have prevented that, that much. Suicide is something everyone can absolutely prevent. That's true. And another thing I want to talk about is, I don't know how you feel about this topic, but I've heard recently that, I don't know what country it's in, but- that or assisted, assisted suicide. suicide. is available now for people with BPD. I need to talk about that because there have been so many instances where I've been in such a low, and I have fucking Googled that shit so many I times, honestly, praying to God that it would be legal in Australia, and- it's just so fucked because I still think that sometimes. Michelle, like, I honestly do um, not think it should be legal because they're basically just saying we give up so on temporary. you. It's so temporary. We're giving up on you. Exactly, and it's also- like it's like we can't help you here. Fucking help yourself and off yourself. Is, the thing is, especially with BPD, yes, it's so painful. It's, and it's so difficult. Chronic. But the thing is, okay, as someone who has lived with it my entire fucking life, fucking dude. One, when I have my very, very, very terrible suicide feelings of suicide where I literally just don't want to be here anymore, it is actually so temporary because I'd be bouncing back up to mania exactly. in the next minute just, and I just want to, like... They're giving in to run. our depressive episodes, that's what it is. And they're giving in to us temporarily saying we want to kill ourselves, even though literally in the next five minutes we'll fine. Like, that's another thing I also... That, know, that's, not, that's a whole other episode. But, um, <laughs> Michelle, if you're okay, I think I want to talk about my yeah. friend for the end of this episode. Actually, I'm going to actually speak of one more thing, and yeah. then it's going to lead into your topic. Okay, um, go for it. Okay, I struggle to comprehend empathy so much, and it didn't, like, I used to not give a fuck if, like, oh, like, your mum would be sad, your friends would be sad. I didn't give a fuck. Until recently, until that yeah. recent attempt, I remember going back to school And people that I have, like, had, like, rekindled with that I wasn't really... I I wasn't that close to, but I had a lot of respect for and I, like, you know, like, deeply cared for them. Yeah. They were, like, Michelle, like, I was really worried about you. I remember Ebony and Eloise, I love them so much. I remember, like, them, like, looking at me with, like, such sad eyes being, like, dude, like, we were all actually so worried about you. Yeah. And I, my, like, heart sank. I, like, cried about it. I was, like, fuck, like, I actually can't. Like, thinking about, like, like, my best friend's, like, maria chloe una anika like everyone just being like dude like i wouldn't forgive myself i wouldn't be able to function like it actually and my no, mom Michelle, and my dad, i'm gonna like, tell you this now this so sad. i wouldn't be able to function if i lost you because you've literally become my other half i see you every fucking day we live literally across the street from each other i think i wouldn't be able to function as a human being No, that would fuck you up. That would fuck me up for life. Yeah. I'm just such an influencer. I'll just fuck up everyone's life. Hashtag, would you care if I died? Okay, (laughs) just... Sorry, that was me using humour as a coping mechanism. Now on to Maria, because she has a lot to say, and I'm going to give her the... Her space right now. Okay, so guys, um... You're just going to be hearing me now, so I'm sorry, but... Um, I might be crying in the background. <laughs> I would definitely be crying, but um, this is something that needs to be spoken about. I did actually have um, a few people support me in talking about this, um, who knew this guy. So, uh, where do I even start? So, um, 2020... Don't cry yet, girl. Fuck, I'm such a pussy bitch. Anyways, um... So, there was this wonderful guy I knew. Um, his name was Reese. Reese with an S, so don't get that mixed up. but um, yeah, so I think this guy was genuinely too good to be true. This guy, he had so much love for everyone he knew, even strangers, like I when I first met him. I just remember thinking like is this guy fucking real like I swear he's just an NPC because he was genuinely too good to be true like he never talked about his problems because he was too focused on helping everyone else and that that is how we all missed that something was going on with him um he was honestly a light in everyone's lives everyone who he knew they only had good things to say about him and um He was very depressed, and none of us knew about it because we were all too caught up in our own shit. We were young, stupid. Um, None of us knew that he was struggling, and um, at this time, I was dating this guy who I'm madly in love with to this day. I think we're soulmates, but that's a whole other episode, but shout-out to you, King. Anyways, um, I remember... (laughs) Sorry, guys. Bless you, Queen. I remember Sunday morning um, getting a call and I couldn't really understand what this guy was saying to me because I'm not going to say names because out of respect for these people, but I remember getting a call from this guy and he was, like, sobbing, so I couldn't understand what he was saying. I I, I knew it was something about race, but I wasn't entirely sure. And then I just remember he said like I was like what what speak up I can't hear you and he was just like Reese is dead and it didn't process in my mind that's another thing people don't talk about it doesn't process in your mind when you first hear the news because you're like there's no fucking way there's no fucking way this guy's dead and I remember just like abruptly like hanging up the call and I walked downstairs I'm still pretty like I'm not crying at this point I'm just like in a state of shock I couldn't really like move that much but I got myself downstairs and my mom could see something was wrong and I was like Reese is dead and it was a shock for, for even my mom to hear that because she knew about him she knew how great of a guy he was and I just fell apart, I fell to the floor, like, there was nothing I could do but fall to the floor, and cry, and I couldn't lift myself up off the ground, and I was shaking, and I'm shaking right now, even talking about this, because it was three years ago now, almost, not even three years ago, two years ago, but it's, it's really hard to talk about, um, and for the next few weeks, I was literally paralyzed, like, I couldn 't get out of my bed i couldn't get myself in a shower i couldn't go to school um, i was i wasn't alive I was just existing, and the whole time the only thing was going through my that, that was going through my mind was if this amazing strong individual can't get through it, how the fuck am I supposed to get through it like if he couldn't do it, how am I supposed to do it because I just felt like I was so beneath him. And no one deserved him, honestly. And my heart just shattered for everyone that knew him. Um, it affected everyone that I knew who was friends with him because they they all had so much love for him. We all continued to post about him, but he was a very sensitive subject in our friend group, um, and a lot of toxicity came out of it. A lot of people were blamed for his death, um... It caused a lot of arguments in our group, but, um, to this day, I still think about him a lot because he was such a light in everyone's lives and he was gone way too soon. He had so much going on for him. He had so much he could have done with his life and my heart honestly just breaks for his family and everyone and, fuck, I'm sorry guys, just give me a minute. Um, it really did change my perception on life though, like... (sighs) Because at the beginning, I thought, like I said, like, there is no way I can get through it if he can't. But later on, I saw it as a message. Because after his death, my suicidal thoughts decreased a lot. Because I saw, I got to see, like, in real life, how it was affecting everyone individually. Like, everyone was impacted in such a different way. And it was heartbreaking to watch. And, um... I think now my fear for losing people is so much stronger because when people tell me that they're thinking about suicide or self-harm, I just think back to him and how much more we could have done for him. If someone had noticed or seen the signs... Like, he posted a lot of, like, depressing stuff in a way, but it was covered up with humour almost. And um, I feel like if we had noticed that and been there for him more and talked more about how he was feeling rather than how we were feeling in some conversations I feel like something could have been done to have changed what had happened but it's I'm at a point where I don't want to dwell on the past like it is what it is um and I just want to give a shout out because I know you guys who are friends with them will be listening um, I just want to give out shout out to you guys because you're so strong and amazing, beautiful human beings, and I'm so sorry you had to go through all of that, and I'm so sorry that none of us did enough to help him, and I'm so sorry. I wish I could take all of your pain away because you're all so beautiful. You're like no one else I've ever met, um, and guys, just take this as a sign to look out for each other. Suicide awareness is so fucking important like to this day I'm still like there's someone out there contemplating suicide right now and there's nothing I can fucking do about it and it shatters my heart because everyone deserves a chance and that shouldn't be fucked up because of mental health like we need awareness on mental health awareness on self harm awareness on on suicide um and yeah that's it from me guys Just please take care of each other. Um, Please look out for your friends. Even if you think someone's fine, you don't know what's going on in their heads. I thought Reese was fine. Clearly, I was fucking wrong. Um, And there have been a lot of instances since where I've picked up on little signs from people and been like, they're not okay. Um, So, you know what? If people are isolating themselves, if people are saying disturbing stuff, like, I feel like I just need to be alone right now. If people are... Like, stop showing interest in things they used to love. People are Checking starting... Check your friends who are, are acting, like, too happy. Yes, check on your friends who are acting too happy, because that is who Reese was. Reese was always so happy, and we didn't pick up on that as a red flag. Because it's normal to feel sadness, but when someone is constantly happy, that is another fucking red flag. And, um... Yeah, like toxic positivity is so real like I remember being so ill and like drug addicted and like so fucking gone just with everything and I was just like oh like live love laugh like everything's so amazing but no that was I was just delusional and just simply needed help we I all know. need help, and we all need, need help. Don't yeah. be Even don't be parents. fucking afraid to ask someone Definitely if they're okay. Don't be afraid to ask someone if they're okay. Because it's okay. It's not cringe. Be uh, like those, check, check on your homies. The amount of Kiss times the amount of time someone has said those three words to me, and I've just Start broken boring. down. It does help. Start choking up. Someone's like, yeah. "Are you okay?" And you just like want to vomit because you're like, "I'm not," and I feel so vulnerable right now. But it's all gonna come out now yeah so yourself. please take care of yourselves guys um Reese, I love you and I miss you you're a beautiful person and I don't think there's a day that goes by where you don't pop into my mind um I hope everyone who had to go through losing the, someone the, from the grieving suicide. process of losing someone from suicide is okay and they're healing and just know you are loved and even if it doesn't seem like it that's just your brain trying to fuck you up but don't listen and to it and we see you every single one of you even yeah don't be afraid to call lifeline at 131114 and if you're in an emergency, call triple zero if you're in Australia. Or, or your, like, local your local authorities, authorities if you're in another country. And if you're too afraid to do that, then we are always here. And yeah, give us a DM or whatever, because I have a lot of resources. And if you're in WA or Perth, I've got good specialists. Even if you just need a friend to talk to, yeah, you can talk to us, because we have too much to say, say. and listen to. So I love you guys. Be safe peace the fuck out have a good rest of whatever time you're listening to um yeah love you bye